we all have expectations of Christ, but what happens when our expectations are not met? This is a place many people who put their hope in Christ find themselves in, especially during hard times. Hi, I'm Femi Osibin, a preacher for the Church of Christ. Thank you for tuning in to today's sermon, Our Expectations of Christ, where we will look at Matthew 11, 1 through 6, and see how John the Baptist sending his disciples to ask Jesus if he was the Messiah because his expectations of Christ were not met and matching the reality of who Jesus Christ really was. To answer John's question, Jesus points out the scriptures that he fulfills and points to him. When we get in a place like John the Baptist was in, where our expectations of Jesus does not align with our reality, it is in scripture we are to go to for our reassurance and to find our strength and deepen our faith. Expectations can be a good thing if they're realistic. But the problem is that a lot of times when we have expectations, it's based upon our hopes and our desires mixed with a little bit of reality. You see, we expect things that make our lives comfortable, that that bring us about the desires and wishes that we want. And there's nothing wrong to have expectations But we mess ourselves up when those expectations are not rooted 100% in reality. So there's unmet expectations. And we're very familiar with this in our lives. We think about, dare I say, our children. They don't always meet our expectations in the things that they attain to. Sometimes they're not the best student. Sometimes they don't do what we have poured out into them and achieve our desired goals. We think about this in our own efforts at jobs. Sometimes those jobs don't turn out how we expect them to turn out. We think that they're going to provide us with one opportunity and it doesn't pan out as such. We think about this with politicians. We vote for people who we believe in, and sometimes we find out that they are not as gung-ho about what they were campaigning about. And so in all types of situations, expectations are not met. Why? Because the expectation, while it was hoped for, wasn't based 100% on reality or even allowing the other person's understanding perspective to be considered. We find ourselves in Matthew 11. And in this section of scripture, what we have is a lot of people who are quite unsure about this ministry that Jesus is proclaiming, who he is, his identity. And that's one of the underlying themes of the section. And where we're at is at the beginning of this chapter. And we're only going to look at the first couple of verses in Matthew 11. And in it, we are reintroduced to a familiar person in the Gospels. 
John the Baptist, or by extension, the, the disciples of John the Baptist. And what we come across is John is in a dire situation. It was told that he is in prison, but that story gets fuller played out later on in the gospel. And we, since we, this is our first time introduced to this gospel, we know that John the Baptist is in prison because he spoke out against an immoral situation. And it causes him to be at odds with King Herod. And he imprisoned him, which eventually cost him his life. But while he's in prison, some believe that he is in prison for a span of about three years. While he's in prison, he knows what he has been preaching. He knows whom he's been preaching about. But he's also in this situation to where what he expected, I believe, was not met. Because he expected the Savior to come and to restore Israel. He had been proclaiming about this Messiah from God who was going to come and usher in this new era for God's people. And he even baptized this Messiah. He saw the heavens open and a dove come and ascend on him in the spirit. And he heard the voice of God said, this is my beloved son who I'm well pleased. And so he knows that Jesus is somebody special. But that does not match up with his present situation of where he is in prison for speaking God's truth. And so with that in our minds, let's just read these first few verses of Matthew 11. And it says. After Jesus had finished instructing his 12 disciples, he went on from there to teach and preach in the towns of Galilee. When John heard in prison what Christ was doing, he sent his disciples to ask him, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? Jesus replied, go back and report to John what you hear and see. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the good news is preached to the poor. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. Six verses, but they contain a lot. We see that John is in this prison and he has an expectation of a Messiah, but Jesus doesn't quite fit the bill. How can we tell? Because he's asking, is there somebody else that we should be looking for? Because you are not quite what I expected or things are not quite how I expected them to be. And that forces us to consider ourselves when we get in positions to where we might not have thought we would land it. And we consider, is Jesus really going to save us? Is he going to do the things that we expect? Because dare I say, sometimes when those expectations are not met, we place our hope in something else. 
And so what we do is, God's not coming fast enough, and life is getting hard. So I'm going to turn to my own strengths, my own efforts, and I'm going to work harder so I can get more money. I'm going to party so I can evade this feeling that I'm feeling and try to bring some joy in my life. I'm, I'm going to be mean so I can exert some control so I could feel like I'm in, in, empowered in a situation. I'm going to do a whole lot of things because what I've expected to happen in Christ just has not been met and I want something else to bring me the feeling, the status, whatever it is in life that I was expecting in Christ to me right now because I'm not comfortable where I'm at. John the Baptist. Jesus, I've been preaching about you. Are you the one who we should keep our hope in? And you would think that Jesus would just give a simple answer. But Jesus does not operate like that. Because what Jesus does, what God does, is he causes us not to seek the simple answer, but to actually think about what it is he says. If we remember, in Matthew, when we were first introduced to Jesus, well, not first introduced to Jesus, but when we were first introduced to John, this is what John says in John, I mean, Matthew chapter 3. Look at the first few verses. In those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, saying, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. This is he who was spoken of through the prophet Isaiah, saying, A voice of one calling in the wilderness, prepare the way of the Lord, make straight paths for him. You see, when we're introduced to John, we get it through the context of Isaiah. And so John, very familiar with scripture, I believe, knows that in Isaiah, he was prophesied to come and to make the path straight for the Lord. And then so when he sees, when he sends his disciples to go out and to question Jesus, are you the one that we expected? Or are you the one whom we should wait for or should we expect another? What Jesus does is he recalls them back to scripture. You see the very reply that Jesus gives to John is also a fulfillment of some of the prophetic writings of Isaiah. Something like Isaiah 35. And listen to verse 4, starting at verse 4. Say to those with fearful hearts, Be strong, do not fear. Your God will come. He will come with vengeance, with divine retribution. He will come to save you. Then will the eyes of the blind be opened and the ears of the deaf unstopped. Then will the lame leap like a deer and the mute tongue shout for joy. Water will gush forth in the wilderness and streams in the desert. Another passage, Isaiah 28. 
This is verse 18. In that day, the deaf will hear the words of the scroll and out of the gloom and darkness, the eyes of the blind will see. Once more, the humble will rejoice in the Lord. The needy will rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. The reckless will vanish. The mockers will disappear. And all who have an eye for evil will be cut down. Those who with the word make someone out to be guilty, who ensnare the defender in court and with false testimony, deprive the innocence of justice. Another one, Isaiah 61, with the first two verses. The spirit of the Lord, the spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to Bind up the brokenhearted to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoner to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. You see, what Jesus tells John is consider the very words of the prophet Isaiah when you are wondering if I am he who you're to keep your hope in. Because you started off on the right page in acknowledging that I am the one that God was sending and he was going to fulfill his desires for his people through me. But it's not going as you expected. Yes, John, you are imprisoned. Yes, John, you have done good works for God. And as Jesus will say in a couple of verses later, that of man born of woman, there's none greater than John the Baptist. Yes, John, I am the one who you are to wait for even though life has not turned out as you want it. And how do you know that I'm the one? Not because I say I am, but because scripture points to me. And so that teaches us that in those hard times, what grounds us in our hope for Christ is scripture. We remind ourselves who Jesus is, one, because we attest to how he has worked in our lives, but two, because God has pointed to him in scripture and confirmed that he is really going to save his people through his son. And that might not be at the exact moment that we like, but it's going to happen. You see, John the Baptist has to understand that even though this imprisonment has come upon him for speaking the truth of God, it does not mean that God is not working in the Christ in which he was speaking about. You see, at times we find ourselves doing the right thing and being put in bad situations. And it would cause a person who's in those dire straits to ask God what's really going on. 
I need help seeing things as you see it, God. Because right now, I just can't. John the Baptist, in prison, which will later lead to his death, is wondering, is my work in vain? Or is this Christ that I was confirmed to at his baptism, that I was preaching about, that some of my disciples left to go follow, is this the one whom God is going to fulfill all of his plans through? And instead of the simple answer, which we would appreciate, Jesus says, go to scripture and you'll see. And at times when we're going through tough, difficult difficult, challenging situations in our lives. Our answer is found in scripture because the promise that God has given us is still valid even if we are going through a difficult time. And so I would cause us to become familiar with the message of God. Because we're all going to find ourselves in situations to where our faith gets weak, our resolve gets tested. And in those moments, we might want to look for something else to offer us hope. Because it's right there, it's immediate, and it offers an escape from the situation that we're in. But we are to hold on faithfully to Christ. And when it gets difficult, Scripture will redirect us back to him. And nothing but God's word can do that. That's why it's important to to be familiar with it, have a constant diet of it. Because as Jesus is telling his disciples, look to Scripture for the answer to your question, he also gives them a warning. Blessed is the man who does not fall away on account of me. What are you saying, Jesus? Why would somebody fall away on account of you? Well, I think what Jesus is saying is do not allow me to be the reason you miss out on salvation. How could that be? That could be because a person is following Christ and has got so hard that they lose faith because it's not going as they expected. And we've seen it a bunch in church. A person is gung-ho for Christ and they do all that they, they think that they need to do and their life just doesn't turn out as they want. They don't get that job that they were looking for. Their situation doesn't immediately change overnight. The hardship doesn't go away. And what they do is they fall away from Christ because what they expected Christ to do doesn't pan out exactly when and how they wanted it. And they miss out on their blessing. And sometimes we can miss out on that blessing because it's not a physical turning away from Christ, but our hearts have turned away from Christ. Our our life hasn't turned out just how we wanted it. The situation just didn't pan out like I thought it would. This sin is still prevalent because I haven't really 
approached it on the terms of faith. And Jesus is not doing what I expected him to do. And so I'm slowly but surely losing faith in him in this regard. But I'm going to keep coming because I think I think there's something there, but I don't have the faith that I'm supposed to have. And so we don't want to put ourselves in a situation to where we are not fully holding on to Christ in faith. We don't want to put ourselves in a situation to where life gets so tough that we don't look to Jesus in all situations we find ourselves in. And it's easy to get there at times because we're human. We're flesh. And sometimes we think we're stronger than we are. Sometimes we don't quite understand what God is doing at that time. And so we falter. But dare I say, be like John the Baptist. When it gets tough, have the courage to go to Christ and ask him what's really on your hearts. Have the faith to search scripture to see what it is that God is truly telling us because the answers are there. And he doesn't want us to allow our situations to cause us to falter in our faith. Because we see with a great man as John, the greatest that was ever born of woman, life got to him. Caused him to question who who he was really to put his hope in. Is it another or is it you, Jesus? Because right now, it's difficult. And if we just put ourselves in John the Baptist's shoes, we can imagine how difficult it could have been. Heroditus wanted him dead. So much so that at the perfect opportunity, when her daughter danced for the king, she could have had anything up to half of his kingdom. And she said, give me the head of John the Baptist. The only reason why he was kept alive was because Herod feared the people. He understood that John the Baptist was a righteous man and he liked some of what he was saying, but he feared the people. If it had not been for that, he would have been dead. So I can imagine the pressure that John the Baptist feels while he's in prison for about three years with this queen wanting him dead. And all he has is God moving the crowds to sustain his life. But he's in prison. And eventually she gets her wish because Herod makes a promise that he wished he could have took back. I doubt we'll ever be under those dire straits, but we all face life. 
our bodies fail, our finances don't always pan out, our friends and family, sometimes they aren't aren't supportive as we want them to be. Our neighborhoods sometimes aren't as peaceful as we would like. The world is crazy. We're in the middle of a pandemic to where we can't go outside without protection. The country is in a financial free fall to where, if we're being honest, we don't know where we'll be at in the nation in 50 years. And there's a lot of things that would cause us, aside from faith, to question what we should really put our hope in. Is it in the next candidate? Is it in savings? Is it in this better prescription from the doctor? Is it in the care that I will receive from a loved one or a, a, a nurse? Or is it in something other than Christ and what Jesus tells us is your hope is in me? No matter what you're going through. No matter how tough that situation, no matter how much pressure you're under, no matter who is in opposition to you, your hope is in me. Because the salvation that you seek is not in this world. It's with me eternally. And to get there, you're going to have to leave this life. That's encouraging. But it's also a hard message to hear. Because what that tells us is that we're going to have to persevere through the difficult times. And while I'm not where you guys are in life, sometimes I could just hear it. Your body's not working like you want. You just lost a, a loved one. You can't go see your friends and family who are in nursing homes. And the only hope that we have through all of that is Christ. And I would say, don't falter in that hope. Because life would challenge us and cause us to try to find another thing to replace it. But there's not. And so I encourage us to constantly be in prayer. Go to Jesus like, like John the Baptist sent his disciples. Bring them those real questions. Search the scriptures. You'll find the answers you're looking for. And Christ, he'll come through on his time. And when he does, you'll be with him for all times. That's our hope. That's the message that he came to bring. And it's validated in scripture. And what, what Jesus tells John the Baptist is, search the scriptures. Because they are what spoke of me. Up to this point in Matthew, we have seen him healing the blind, casting out demons, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom of God. The very things scripture had told he would do. 
And when we consider what scripture has told us that Christ would do, we anticipate it. Cleansing us of our sins, ushering us into an eternal abode with him in heaven, judging the world, and vindicating us for all that we go through and taking away this body of flesh that has its weaknesses and giving us a new body that will never, that will never grow old. So we remain faithful. Sometimes we hurt. Sometimes we question what's really going on. But we never lose faith. Because when we look around, Jesus is right there, like he's always been. Because he really does care for us, even when we don't understand how. This section of scripture, it presents a lot of people or situations that don't understand what Christ is really calling people to. But we, as those who have dedicated our lives to Christ, we have a clear understanding of what he's called us to. That's to be his faithful servants, no matter what we go through. And so we continue to do that, and we'll continue to support each other in the ways that we can. And we'll be praying for each other when we're away. Because God cares and he's listening to us. And if we're going to be honest with ourselves, all we have to do is look in our past and we'll see where he brought us through when we couldn't bring ourselves through to give us faith for the mall. I'm not sure where that sermon leaves you. My prayer is that you will contemplate it and incorporate it into your Christian life. If you're not a Christian, I ask... What's stopping you? God sent his son, Jesus, to freely extend the gift of salvation to all who will follow him. To get that salvation, one must follow the example set out in scripture. The book of Acts, which details the church's beginnings and expansion, shows us biblical examples of those who were saved. A good place to look is in Acts 2. You get Peter preaching the first gospel sermon and the response of those who heard and believed his message. They repented and were baptized, which added them to the church Christ established. The Bible only teaches of one church. If you want to be added to it, go to your local church of Christ and tell them your desire to be washed of your sins and to live a godly life. Study your Bible, put its teachings to practice, and you will make heaven your home.